And this is the age where you want to put a little more pressure on them to own some of their own responsibilities rather than constantly depending on you as a backup. Right. You can be a backup, but just make sure that they understand they need to start carrying the load that over time you're going to hand them more and more responsibility and more of these costs like car repairs and maintenance will be their responsibility. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. And in this episode, we're continuing a few tips and ideas on how to make your budget more successful. And Leo and I have been going through essentially my 10 plus years of budgeting experience mm -hmm. and his 26 years of budgeting experience and letting you in on the little things that we've noticed and we've fixed over the years. Because when we started out, you know, we had a very simple plan. But as it grew, it stayed simple, but we have fixed the little pieces that were broken mm -hmm. or we've added in ways to make it more effective. And so that's what we want to talk through. We've talked about groceries and bulk buying. We've talked about cell phones and electricity. And in this episode, we're going to start with auto and property insurance. We're going to talk a little bit about car repairs and miscellaneous expenses. And we're going to share with you the personal things that we've experienced in these areas. So Leo, how do you want to kick us off? Well, let's start with uh, just auto and property insurance. Uh my auto and property insurance uh, are now like on the same cycle. So everything comes uh, renewed, or I should say, uh, at the same time. Yeah. And it just happens to be in about two weeks in the early part of February. And so I got my email from uh, the provider that I use. And, of course, it gave me access to all of my stuff. And so I started looking at the policies and, and seeing. And over time, I've seen it slowly creep up. And usually the way it works with insurance companies is that you'll get in at a decent rate because they're trying to get your business. And then after that is when you'll see a slight bump and then another bump. And then sometimes you'll see a big bump. I've never had it go down. I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old, but I've never seen the insurance go down uh, when I stay with the same carrier, which is kind of crazy to me because you know that they can give you an introductory rate, Right. I mean, there are people who are literally signing up with the same company that I use right, right now getting better rates than I am. Right. It's, and it's I a get teaser. That. It's to draw I, yeah, you in, yeah, right? And I get that. But if they can do it for them, I'm kind of like, well, why don't you do it for me? I'm a right. loyal customer. Right. I'm a loyal customer. I've so, been here. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm sad about this because I have a friend who actually, and I've had many friends who have uh, either been in the insurance business or have owned their own agencies and... I'd love to give them my business, but many times their companies just keep, you know, and, and they can't always, because they're just brokers, they can't adjust the price. They can give me some discounts, but they can't really uh, keep the, the cost to, to, to be competitive. So I, I understand that side of it, having friends in the industry, understand that you get what you pay for, right? Absolutely. In the insurance Absolutely. industry, this they're, is very true. Right. But there are also very good companies out there uh, that we should uh, price comparison uh, when it comes to renewal time. So that's really what we want to challenge you is to to shop around. Uh, I, over the last three years, have been with the same company. Uh, the price of my policies has just gone up again, about 10 to 12%. And I'm I'm going to do the, the, the due diligence of looking for another company. Now, I may not get a better deal. This actually happened last year. Came upon renewal. I did all the work of searching out and talked to a few companies, spent some time on the telephone, uh, and then found out that, you know, the deal I had with them was actually pretty good. Yeah. And I stayed with them. But I did the due diligence of making sure that I wasn't overpaying. Yeah. Because I want to keep my cost down. I'm not cheap. I want a good, I have a good insurance company. It's one of the top rated companies. Yeah. But I also don't want to overpay. I'm not going to go to Uncle Sam and buy from them 
uh, what I mean by that is like a third rate company that is, you know, they charge you 20 bucks and you get all, all that, all of that, uh, service and less. But I do think it's important to, to look around because it, it is such a huge expense, right? For me, I have two properties, I've got cars, uh, uh, house insurance, all of those things. And they add up, it's several thousand dollars for the year. And, uh, if I can save even 10%, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually been the same thing for me, Leo. I've got everything on the same cycle. Mine's currently where it lands in February, mm-hmm. or sorry, in November. Yours yep. is February. Yep. And um, so three years ago, I switched mm-hmm. to a new provider because their introductory rate was Great. very competitive <laughs> sure. and was able to beat my current rates by far. I mean, it's like four or $500. It's mm-hmm. a huge savings. And because my current carrier at the time had just raised it by four or $500. And so when I switched, I was able to get back to a good, decent price. Well, now that I've been with this carrier for three years, or this is two years now, uh, year two, I looked at it and it was very still, they had gone up a little bit. Every year it seems to go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I shopped it around, I couldn't find anything better. And then this past year, November, I shopped it around and I couldn't find anything better. And so I stayed with them. But the way that I've gone about this is to always keep on hand several different uh, independent brokers that I can reach out to. Yeah. So I'll reach out to independent brokers, but I'll also reach out directly to uh, auto carriers and right. property carriers. So uh, I'm talking about auto and property insurance, like um, AAA, Travelers, 21st Century, Foremost Insurance, uh, State Farm, State Auto, mm-hmm. um, Allstate, all of the Amica. Uh, USAA, all these great yeah. companies out there, yeah. I will try to figure out, usually what happens is they must know, some, somehow they know when your insurance is lapsing because oh, the month before... To keep track of that kind of stuff. Yeah, the month before you get a ton of mail and, mm-hmm. and it feels like junk mail, but what I'll do is I'll open up, oh, I got a piece of mail from Farmers and I got a piece of mail from Allstate and I got a piece of mail from uh, Amica and it'll have somebody's email at the bottom of that and I'll shoot them an email. And I have a template that I'll send them that's very simple. And it says, I've attached my current auto and property plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you run a quote for me based on the same level of coverage? Right. And let me know what you find. And I'll send that to five or six carriers directly. And then I'll send it to two or three independent brokers directly. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just wait and I'll get eight emails back with eight different price quotes on new insurance. And if one of those eight beats my current, if it's by $50, okay, maybe I got to weigh out the hassle of switching for 50 bucks. But if it's for four or $500 or two or $300, that's worth it. And so uh, then I'll call back my carrier and say, hey, I have this great quote over here. I don't want to switch, but if I need to switch, I will. And uh, and I guess one of the things I would encourage you is um, it's really fun and good to do business with somebody that you know and, and trust and that you love, like a family member that's in the insurance world. Yeah. But it can also be a major issue because sure when their price ends up being $500 more and you have to switch to a stranger and now they're like, well, don't leave me. You're my cousin. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. do this, this industry. You want to make sure you're getting good coverage, you know, insurance companies that are reputable. Yeah. So do start with that, but then you've got to go based on price. Because you're getting the same product across the board, same coverage, same limits, same liabilities. And so you want to make sure that you're always looking on price, not just on family ties and relationships. So be aware of that. Yeah, that's good. And just a couple other things about the insurances. When you are shopping around or even with your current carrier, ask for discounts. Insurance companies have many discount programs that they can apply 
uh, to make your policy less expensive. So yeah, initially maybe they're quoting you $2,000 for your property insurance, but by the time you cut down on the expense through discounts, you might be at 1500 Another thing that my current carrier does that I really love, I mean, this is what's made me stay with them actually, is that I pay my policy in full. Right. Yes, if, if you're yes. budgeting and you're putting money aside every month and anticipating you knowing what your policy is going to cost 12 months from now, then you're, you can pay it all at once. Well, I consistently get at least 100 to $200 off my insurance uh, policies for the house and the investment property. And, and that's significant. That's right? huge. Yep. Because it's 100 to $200 that I'm paying just because I'm paying all at once. And I'm not using... Uh, I'm using my my. It's a it's a debit transaction or a, a bank draft or whatever, um, so it's automatically drafted from the account. And I've loved that part of it. It's been you know it's been really well, and it's what's kept it kept the price much lower. And that's why I stay with them for these these last three years. Now we'll see where we go from here. But just remember the discounts. Ask for them. You won't know unless you ask for them. And if they quote you the price and it's a bit higher than what you're comfortable paying just say is there any discounts that you can apply to bring that to maybe a lower price yeah yeah and because that's one way they can still give you the policy with all the benefits and all the, the coverage and maybe get a lower uh cost yeah and, and just ask them because uh there are a bunch out there i'll just even looking at auto um you've got uh if you got a student in the home if they're a good student they can get a discount oh, yeah. uh if you are a low mileage driver and let's say that maybe you're high mileage on one of your cars but really low mileage on, on the, the other, other car yeah, that's make uh, a difference you can say look this car is out on the road less than 8000 miles a year so i shouldn't be charged like somebody who drives 15000 miles a year cuz they have twice as much likelihood of getting in an accident than i do and so you can say i'm a low mileage driver uh, and track that. You could have multiple vehicles or multiple policies. They're mm -hmm. all in one place. Yes. That's a great way to get a discount. Uh, Anti-theft devices, whether it's on your home or your car, mm -hmm. anything that helps with the theft protection, protecting against yeah. thieves, is going to help reduce your premium. Right. Um, being a safe driver, being a, a loyal customer, you'd have to be aware that being a loyal customer, A, it will help lower your bill, but over time, yeah. it still may make sense to switch. So just yeah. be aware there's a lot of great... Um, discounts that are out there. Yeah, and don't forget the you know the ability to increase the deductible to save on the premiums, getting liability coverage instead of full coverage on older vehicles that aren't just not worth as much. Just remember those. We actually did a, a podcast on auto insurance way back, and uh, yeah. check that out, and you'll get some more tips on on buying insurance and some of the things that you can do to lower your cost. Yep. So that is on the auto insurance side, but now let's talk about auto and property, but now let's talk about car repairs. Yeah. What happens once that car ends up uh, in the shop or you have an issue? Leo, what are some of your tips for being more successful in planning for car repairs? Well, this is different for different folks depending on your ability to uh, do your own maintenance or uh, pay someone to do it. But there are two different areas when it comes to uh, car, there's car repairs and there's car maintenance. On the maintenance side, everybody has that. You have to have your oil changed every so often. You have to have your um, car tires replaced and things like that. And those are not repairs. Those are maintenance items. Just by using the car, those things will have to be addressed. So make sure you're budgeting for those things. Make sure that your budget uh, includes uh, replacing the tires every once in a while. I think that this is something that I see consistently, and I know this is something I learned early on in the process. I put a certain amount, you know, I'm mechanically inclined, that guy, so I thought, oh, my maintenance cost is going to be low. So I put like $30 a month for maintenance, which figures, okay, so if I have to replace something every once in a while, that'll cover my, my parts. However, totally forgot about 
the the tires, right? So tires right, come due, right. and it's like, oh, that's four hundred dollars. Like, ah, you know. So then I had to pull money from emergency fund and to get through that, and then then eventually I learned, okay, I need a budget for that. So when you're figuring out your maintenance and your repairs, don't forget the maintenance part because you will have to replace some things that that is just part of you using your vehicle. And and then the other thing is, take into account the fact this is this has happened recently with a client that you have children at home sometimes who are driving. And this is something that could really blow up your budget if you're not careful. So come to an agreement whether you're going to cover some of that cost or if they're going to cover the cost. And if you're going to cover part of the cost or all of the cost, you have to budget for it. Otherwise, it'll completely kill that part of your budget. And you'll have to end up scrounging around and robbing other areas or draining your savings to get through an emergency. And you have to be extremely realistic in this area Mm. Uh, because you may say, well, my kids are going to take care of their own cars. And so I'm going to, I'm going to tell my kids you're in charge. You pay for your own vehicle, you pay for your own repairs. And that sounds really good. But what if they're a full-time student and they're not working? Exactly. Or they're only working 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week. And, and if they're only doing that now, then they don't have the savings set aside mm-hmm. for the car repairs and the maintenance. Right. And so even though you've told them it's their responsibility, you've got to now coach them, hey, you really need to work 30 hours a week. And that extra 10 hours mm-hmm. a week, you've got to start setting aside in your emergency fund for car repairs, for yep. maintenance, and for yep. all the other things of life. And so if you're, if, you are, if you're at the place where you say, well, I just want my student to be a full-time student and I don't want them to have to work, but they're responsible for their own car repairs. Mm. Well, that's not going to work nope. <laughs> yeah, because nope. when the car breaks down, you're the backup. Yeah. And so be aware of that. And you've got a budget. I've talked to people where they will budget for their own car repairs, maybe $1,000, $1,200 a year, 100 bucks a month. Right. But they have two kids with two cars. Mm-hmm. And so they've budgeted twelve hundred for their their own personal vehicles, but they didn't budget twelve hundred for their kids' vehicles. And at the end of the year, when one of their kids had an issue with their vehicle, they ended up paying for it, and it totally blew their personal twelve hundred right. because they really should have been budgeting twenty four hundred because right. they've got four vehicles to take care of. And I've seen that happen on more than one occasion. I've seen it personally in my own family, where it's just like, "Hey, who's going to cover this?" And oh, it looks like mom and dad will. But is it in the budget? Yeah. Question mark. <laughs> but, and, and I'm a huge proponent for the kid doing some kind of work, even while going through college. First of yeah. all, most college schedules are not so full that they're in school eight hours to nine hours a day, right? They've got a couple of classes in the morning, uh, usually off in the afternoon, or they're only going to the campus three times a week or something like that. I mean, my, my, when my kids yeah. went through college, I remember this. It's not a full-time job. Right. So what are they doing on their time off? Are they studying the whole time? Do they have some idle time? Because, listen, even if it's only 4 to 5 to 10 hours a week that they're working, at you know 8 to $10 an hour, that'll cover some maintenance costs, maybe yes. even some of the gas bill. Um, and so I'm a huge proponent of having your kids work, even if it's just a little, because they need to understand money doesn't grow on trees. They need to become more responsible. And this is the age where you want to put a little more pressure on them to own some of their own responsibilities rather than constantly depending on you as a backup. Right. You can be a backup, but just make sure that they understand they need to start carrying the load, that over time you're going to hand them more and more responsibility and more of these costs, like car repairs and maintenance, will be their responsibility. Yeah. You don't want to pay their car repair when they're married with children. You just don't want to do that. Right. So my recommendation is start planning with your kids as they grow on how to budget for these items. I remember when my kids started driving, I remember saying, okay, if you're going to drive, you have to have a job so you can buy your own gas, you can pay your own insurance, and you can fix your own car. 
Yeah. Now, being mechanical inclined, I say, you, you know, you're going to have the benefit of I can fix just about anything, but you're going to have to buy the parts. So if you need your shocks replaced, you're going to buy the shocks. I'll do the job. Yeah. And sure, it's my time, but at least it didn't affect my financial budget. It right. did. I did not have to put money out of my pocket. And now all of a sudden I'm scrambling because my budget that was set aside for my repairs now is gone. Yeah. And so this is the part that I just want to encourage our listeners to really think through. The choices you're making in your budget is helping you to reach a destination. But if you don't consider the fact that your children are still part of your household and there is some responsibility that you're still holding that you need to start putting onto them, then that's going to affect it. One other thing is when your kids get to that age, if they're not driving yet or they're just about to start driving, and you're going to help them in purchasing a vehicle or you have input into what kind of vehicle they're buying. Yes. My encouragement is really look for cars that are dependable. And what I mean, no, that's, that sounds almost like, duh, but what I mean is buy a vehicle that is dependable and it doesn't require a lot of maintenance because there are certain vehicles that will cost a lot more to maintain than others. And so I specifically chose vehicles and helped my daughters find vehicles that were very cheap in repairs because they made billions of them and, and they're just, you know, you put gas and oil in them and they just run. And that made a big difference. You're buying a, a vehicle that's more of a, let's say, a European, a German-made or something like that, and it's going to take a premium to fix it. It's going to take a premium for parts, and they're more likely to be finicky and, and, and break down. Sure. They're not your day-to-day, -day, you know, drive them until the wheels fall off kind of cars. So just something to think about because that expense, if you want your child to, to be able to bear some of that, then make sure that you're helping them either buying them a car that's, you know, I will say it, a Honda, a Toyota, some, you know, Camry yeah. or an Accord or a Civic. Man, you buy those cars and there's very little maintenance you're going to have to do to them. Yeah. Now, buy them right, do the things that we talked about, get them inspected, do all those things. Yeah. Make sure you're not buying the lemon. But it's going to be a lot cheaper to maintain those cars. And that way your child can handle some of those. Yep. So episode 22 and 23 is where we talked about how to buy a used car mm -hmm. and how to buy a new car. Yep. So check out episode 22 and 23. And then the auto insurance episode was episode 42. Awesome. And so go back and listen to that whole thing. There's a ton of great content in there about auto insurance. And then I'll, I'll just add this in. This is a perfect time to start to to train your kids to be adults. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they're at that age of of driving a car or owning a car, this is the time. Teach yep. them how to budget for their own car repairs and teach them that, you know, working 10 hours a week might pay for their food and books, but it doesn't pay for their car repair, so they need to work 20 hours a week. And uh, I mean, I remember if you do a full course load, which is 12 hours of classes, that's 12 hours a week of mm. classes. Mm. That's it. So yeah. Yeah. so how many adults work 40 hours a week? <laughs> there uh, you go. <laughs> right? I mean, almost everybody works 40 hours a week, right? Yeah. Uh, at most professional level jobs, you're probably going to put in 45 hours a week and Plus sometimes 50. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. When you add in the commute, you're yeah. looking at easily 50 hours a week. Sure. And so be aware that a student working 12 hours a week, just in classes, now mm. there is going to be homework. Sure. So maybe you double it and that's 24 hours a week. But if you're preparing them for uh, adulthood where they're going to be working 45 hours a week to to really excel, because if they put in five, five extra hours over their other employee or another you know person in a peer that's working 40, that extra five hours a week is going to show off to the boss. So, yeah. so teach your kid to put in 45 hours a week. And that means 20 hours of working and 24 hours of school, right? You're training them to be adults, and this is the time to set those healthy boundaries you're going to pay for your own repairs. But, yeah. you know, I'll help with this and this, but you pay for this. So just set those boundaries now. I love what you did, Leo, where they paid for the actual 
um, parts, but you took care of the labor because you had the skills to do yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, if you can do that, that's a huge uh, advantage. However, listen, even if I couldn't have done that, I, I still would have recommended that they bear some of the responsibility. Yes. I grew up with this mindset, and I know you know this saying, idle hands make waste. And my wife and I's whole purpose when our kids became teenagers was to get them ready to step out on their own. I mean, it's not that we wanted them gone, but we had a realistic understanding. These kids need to manage their own life someday. Otherwise, we're going to be doing it. And we were very purposeful on giving them more and more responsibility. And listen, they had plenty of time. Both of them worked and went to school at the same time. And you know what? They did great. One of them got the president's award, meaning the highest GPA, and the other one, you know, straight A's. And this is while working. This is while taking care of their own things. So your kids can do so much more than you think they can. But yeah, you have absolutely. to you have to press them. They're not going to just like desire to do it. You're going to have to push them. But eventually they'll see it because there is there is a certain amount of uh, accomplishment and uh, a feedback, uh, an emotional high, so to speak, when we accomplish something for ourselves. Your kids need to feel that. Otherwise, they'll step out there on their own and they're going to make a big mess because they've never been entrusted with anything. Yep. So it's your job, parents, to give them uh, that opportunity to grow in their responsibility. It's not a hard thing you're asking them to do. It's a natural thing. So embrace it, and it'll help you and it'll help them. Yep. Well, let's look at the miscellaneous part of the budget, these mm. little things that pop up unexpectedly that you should have some margin and a plan for the unexpected. Yeah. Right? You've got to expect the unexpected. Where I work, uh, we have a saying that the only constant is change because things are always changing mm. where I work. Well, the only constant in your budget is that there will be some unexpected things and you're going to have to have a little bit of a plan in place for that. And so we call this a miscellaneous category. And Ashley and I have allocated a certain dollar amount into yep. our budget every month for the things that we just didn't think of. Right. And we've been, I've been doing this for over 10 years. We've yep. been doing it every year since we've been married. And so, you know, it's kind of funny that we still have things we don't think of, yep. but they do pop up month to month. And so we want to be ready for that. So uh, this can be, a really interesting category mm -hmm. because when you first it's start, it's the catch-all, yep. right? So yep. when you first start, there this this category could get a little out of hand because you're like, oh well, I didn't expect to have to buy a chew toy for my dog, mm -hmm. and I didn't expect you know the annual subscription for my magazines, right? Oh, and and I didn't expect you know the dry cleaning that happened, and I didn't expect um, to give this person a gift, and so yeah. you know it was an unexpected. I had to throw a small party and all those party gifts, right? And the, right. the decorations, yeah, so many well, things pop up that so are not part married, of a normal budget. I I have to throw a shower for them. Yep. That was unexpected. That's miscellaneous. I right. could never plan for that, right? So here's the thing. You can plan for it. Yes, you can. Uh, but when you first start out, your budget will have a lot of miscellaneous. So maybe when you start out, your miscellaneous budget is a little bit larger mm -hmm. because you, you're not a pro at this. And so you are going to have some unexpected stuff. But everything that you see popping up in your miscellaneous budget over time you should be building a plan for that mm -hmm. in another area of your budget. So let's look at a few things. Uh, Leo, you were telling me that just some stuff around the house, um, mm -hmm. like your printer, right? Yeah, paper so, for the printer or ink. You know, you don't know how often you're going to use it, right. right? There are seasons when you use it a lot and others that you don't use it for three months. So all of a sudden, at the wrong time, the ink needs to be replaced, and it's $30, $40 to replace the two cartridges to color the black. And you're like, where's that going to come from? Right. Well, it's not one of those things that I don't want to make a category for ink for the printer. Right. Because if I start doing that, then my budget will be 15 pages long and it will drive me and my wife crazy. So th it's one of those things that it happens seldom and it doesn't happen on a routine time frame. Right. 
So and that's it's not a huge expense either, right? Considered. It's not huge. Like if you're going to spend a thousand dollars, then you start to budget, course, right? You, you create a category that. for it. But because it's so small, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need it. Like if you had, uh, let's say you buy a lot of books. Well, for Ashley and I, that's going to be personal spending. Yeah. But maybe the first time or two that we bought a book, it was like, oh, that's a miscellaneous expense. And then mm-hmm. over time, we said, no, no, that comes yeah. out of your personal spending. That's or my an excuse personal. to make it a miscellaneous right. at some point. Right? Exactly. And so, um, you know, other example of miscellaneous things when you're buying an app for your phone. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I didn't think about that. Or in-app purchases, which oh, can add yes. up, right? Big time. Absolutely. Uh, iCloud storage. Mm-hmm. Um, other other things that iTunes will charge you for or whatever the equivalent is on your Android device. Yeah. The, the key thing here, though, is make sure that these are only once in a while in small charges that are not frequent. If you know that on a weekly to a monthly basis, you're going to buy X amount of music or apps, then make a category for it. You know, decide, hey, I'm going to spend $20 a month on apps. Fine. Perfect. Do 50 if that's what you have. But make sure that you're budgeting for it. It's no longer a miscellaneous item because it happens frequently enough where you need to set money aside for it. Yeah. So this happened to Ashley and I when we first got a dog. Mm. And so we didn't have a pet category because we just first got a dog, right? Right. So we went to the vet and we're like, well, that was unexpected. It was several hundred dollars, but you know, it was unexpected. (laughs) And so... As if dogs never need to have anything done, right? right? right. just come and just sit there and And, don't cost And they don't cost anything, right? (laughs) No. So, so, you know, the first month it was like, oh, we bought a toy or we bought food. And that food wasn't groceries for us so we didn't want to blow our grocery budget so okay this is miscellaneous but then we realized really quickly we need a whole subcategory for pets yes and so our dog has his own category where we track haircuts where we put food in where we put toys in where we put shots in where we put unexpected vet visits in right and we're tracking everything that we've spent on him and we love him more and more the higher dollar amount we see that we've spent on it. Like, wow, we love you $2,000 worth now. And then now we love you $3,000 worth. That's real like, love right there. <laughs> that's when you real can, love. When you can count how much love you're actually giving out. <laughs> so I realize that's a little goofy. Uh, for me, it's important to know how much does a dog cost? How much does an animal cost? Because if you don't have any quantification of it, if mm. that's the right word, yeah. if you don't quantify it in any way, mm. then when five years from now you have kids and they want to buy another dog and you're like, oh, sure, that's a great idea. Yeah. But you don't think about, well, the the first five years of this dog's life is going to cost me $5,000 or mm. the first year is going to cost me 1500 or whatever it is. Yeah. You just have to be aware. Like, yes, we want to get you a puppy, but we want to know how much it's going to cost to right. do that. Not right? just the initial, how much is it going to cost to purchase one or get one from the uh, animal shelter, but right. the ongoing cost because oh, it's, yeah. it's tremendous. I have a client who has two dogs, and between the dog sitter and the food Ooh. and the medication, yep. it's a pretty significant amount of her budget. Now, she's she's a single woman. She needs to have these dogs. These dogs mean a lot to her, right. and, and pets can be in a wonderful They're addition like family, to a family, right. but it is a cost. And it does not belong in miscellaneous once you have a pet. Yes. The cost just goes too high, yes. even if you have a very healthy dog. Yeah. So I, I mentioned to Leo, right. I mentioned to Leo earlier, you know, another area that could be miscellaneous. I said, hey, what about gym memberships? And Leo said, no, in my, in my budget, we have a plan in place that we know we're going to spend a certain amount on healthy living. Right. And so what are some of the things that you would put in healthy living? Instead of letting it be miscellaneous, what is healthy living? Yeah. For, for So I thought about this because the gym thing came up and I thought, okay, well, what do I just make a category for gym, gym membership? And then I realized, well, but with that also come some expenses, right? There's certain supplements, there's certain vitamins, certain yeah. things that we take. 
and we don't buy those very often, but they don't fit in miscellaneous because we do buy them almost like on a cycle. Yeah. And and they're not anything extravagant, but they're, it's, it's a cost. So do I just add it into my grocery budget? Well, no, because then less and less money is going to actual food, and then that's going to look like, wait a minute, is food just going up or, you know? So we, we realized, okay, this is an expense that we need to add in. So we include gym membership. We include any kind of supplements, anything that's, that adds to our health. It could be, uh, for a season, we used um, essential oils. And mm-hmm. they could be pretty expensive when you buy oh, two, yeah. three bottles, right? So that went in there. So we just decided when these, these kind of things come up, there are certain expenses that kind of fit in a category. You can make it into a category. And all those things are for our health. I used essential oils for my allergies, which really helped. So I'm like, okay, well, that that's not... I don't want to put it into prescriptions because it's not something I buy on a regular basis. So I just created a separate category, put everything in there, and just assigned a certain dollar amount to it. And here's here's the bottom line is miscellaneous for us started to catch all these things that we didn't know we needed to budget for. So the first time you buy something, what naturally is going to happen is going to say, okay, is this... And I should say naturally... Hmm. Over time, it should become natural as yeah. you're budgeting. You're going to say, okay, I just had this expense. Is this a one-time thing? Will this ever happen again? If it will happen again, how often will it happen? Right. Is this something I can schedule? Yes, it's quarterly. It's half a year. It's once a year. And if you can't, then it fits in miscellaneous. Don't worry about it. It's once a, it's a small cost and fits in there. So we actually, what we did is we started with a main category of miscellaneous and had gifts in there and Christmas and all, kinds, all these other things. But we had this dollar amount, and we thought about it as all that's miscellaneous, and we would just spend from the whole category rather than breaking it out into subcategories. And so we actually ended up having a subcategory of miscellaneous, miscellaneous. Yep. yep. And we gave it, and we kept it specifically under $100. I think it's around $86 now. Yeah. Because we never want to give ourselves license to say, here's $200 that we just dip into anytime we go over in any area. And that's what... Honestly, folks, this is what we did for years. So I had to learn over time not to sabotage my own plan. So that's why it's so important to create these categories. Keep them as minimum as possible, but go ahead and create them for items that are going to come. If you added a pet, a puppy or a pet, you're going to need a pet category. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's just the way it is. Another great one is budgeting for gifts yeah. and having a subcategory somewhere that gifts fall under. And that could be personal. You could do the subcategory under miscellaneous, but you've got to have, or just it could be its own category. Uh, almost everyone that I have counseled spends at least $1,000 a year on gifts. Now, unless maybe you're single and you're just buying gifts for friends, but even then you don't buy a lot of gifts, that's a possibility. But almost every married couple that I've ever counseled has spent over $1,000 a year on gifts and they didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if you do not have a plan in place, then you are not realizing, oh, I need to set aside at least $83 a month for birthdays, Christmas, anniversaries, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day, right? Sure. Valentine's Day, all these unique things that you're going to buy gifts or candy or little treats or toys for. And so be aware of that. You've got to put that somewhere. It's not like, oh, it's my birthday. That's a miscellaneous expense. Oh, it's Christmas. That's a miscellaneous expense. No, yeah. put a budget category in place for gifts. And right. we've got a great tool on the website. You can check that out. Uh, so, so miscellaneous is a fun category Yeah, it because can be. over time you get to learn the things that are ongoing, but were unexpected at one time. And you'll be able to look back and say, I used to not expect that. That's yeah. crazy. I'm yeah. so, you know, I'm, yeah, I've yeah, matured yeah. so much now because I have a plan in place for that. It's no longer miscellaneous. And just think of the peace of mind of knowing that you can buy 
paper for your printer and not have to put it pull it from another category that you've actually set aside a little bit of money to take care of these expenses when they come up it's just that that's what i love about budgeting is that it gives me freedom to live my life to not stress over things that i don't need to be stressing about and if i need to spend 40 dollars on ink as much as i don't like spending that much money on ink it's there so i just do it and i don't think about it it's great and and i think that's part of the process that we're trying to help you folks uh, understand is that budgeting can help you to live your life. And as we said at the beginning of our podcast, the whole purpose of getting money right and what we do is to help you to pursue your real purpose, not to focus on what you spend money on and how much you spend. Let your budget dictate that and then go live your life. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, give us five stars on iTunes or uh, subscribe to our podcast. We really would love that. And uh, if you're on an Android device, of course, wherever you listen, Please let us know what you're doing. Let us know how we can serve you better and connect with us. Let us know how we can expand our podcast and offer more content that will be helpful to you. You can also find the show notes to this episode, more content and resources at leosabo.com. Yeah, and I want to introduce to you guys a book that I've been writing. And imagine that one of the most, well, in my opinion, personally, yeah. the most important historical figure in the world, the most important person that ever lived, uh, the person who we literally split history's timelines on from yeah. BC, to before AD. Christ, to yeah. AD, right? So this person uh, had a lot to say about money, finances, possessions, how you manage, and that's yeah. Jesus. So Jesus, somebody who, uh, I don't know what the exact number is, but roughly a billion people in the world have dedicated their entire life to mm. following. Yeah. And I am writing a book on everything that Jesus said about money. It's mm. awesome. And about managing and about our identity. Mm. And it is a, I've really enjoyed the process of putting it together, categorizing. I, I think that is going through and highlighting everything in the Gospels and even further into the New Testament, because yep. there are some other places where Jesus spoke. He's quoted. Yep. Yeah, he's quoted. Yep. He's either quoted or he spoke, like in Revelation. Mm -hmm. That's Jesus talking to John yep. in some of those places. And so so some of that, I even went through and highlighted all across the New Testament, anywhere where Jesus spoke or was quoted, anywhere you see red letters, I highlighted, categorized everything he said, and now I'm putting it into a book mm. that will allow you to see what Jesus said on money and how to steward as a good manager. So uh, check it out at stewardshippastors.com. Stewardshippastors is plural, .com. And, uh, and click on the Jesus on Money link, and uh, I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, I'm excited to, for you to finish that book, David. I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome. Well, we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. So maybe when you start out, your miscellaneous budget is a little bit larger mm -hmm. because you're, you're not a pro at this. And so you are going to have some unexpected stuff. But everything that you see popping up in your miscellaneous budget over time, you should be building a plan for that mm -hmm. in another area of your budget. Mm -hmm.